Ron and Anian. A plain old basic OBD2 scanner will tell you temperature, especially on a Ford. A lot of the Fords don't have coolant temp sensors in the factory information. Here I come in my 57 cheese The Car Doctor. I've got to say, oil viscosity or how oil guidelines are met is probably one of the biggest question marks in the industry. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines, America. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Ronnie, the the car doctor, is at your service. This hour, as always, as we continue to motor on and try and fix all of America's broken cars. Cardoctorshow.com, tunein.com, spreaker.com. And whatever .com else you want to go out to, it's uh, up to you. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to do that. Uh, keep in mind, you can also find us out on Facebook if you're so inclined. Ronanini and the Car Doctor. And um, let's see. Where should we go today? Hello, Michael. Hello, Tom. Now that I've done my due diligence, I'm going to go take some phone calls because the phones are backed up. And uh, see what's going on here. Aaron in Minnesota. Boy, I bet it's nice and sunny and warm in Minnesota today, Aaron. What's the temperature up, oh, up yeah. there? Oh, yeah. What is it? A <laughs> balmy three degrees? Oh, well, actually, today it's, it's yeah, like five or six degrees. So. Wow, it's like a heat wave for you guys. I um, know. I'd yeah. take off a jacket or two. <laughs> or two. Not all of them, just a jacket or two. So, yeah, exactly. Um, what, parts of, what, what part of Minnesota are you in? Up, up north, north of Duluth. Oh, boy. So I'm up about an hour south, hour and a half south of the Canadian border. Are, are you the guys, do you have the stick by the front door of the house so when it snows you can find the front door? Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I'll never forget, and I tell this story, and people really don't believe me. Tell, tell me if this is true, Aaron. Come on, you're up in Minnesota. I was in Minnesota. Oh, it must have been 15 years ago, driving down south from Minneapolis, St. Paul to Owatonna. I used to do consulting work for OTC Tools. And, you know, we're driving across the Great Plains where the Sioux Indians lived, right? And I'm thinking, like, gee, look at all the empty space and what a great place to live. And the guy was driving me, he says, you see that stick by the front door of that house? I went, yeah. Because I was noticing there's sticks on the front doors of everybody's house, big giant (laughs) sticks that stick out over the roof. I said, yeah, he goes, when it snows, that's so they can find the front door in the house. Okay, well, I guess I'm not living here. Um, So, right, do do you guys get that much snow? Well, I haven't seen the stick by the door, but every fire hydrant has a little pole sticking up so they yeah. can find the fire hydrant. Yeah. No, <laughs> so it's a similar thing. That's for the dogs, I guess. But um, yeah, just wow. Exactly. So how can I help yeah. you and your Ford today, sir? All right. So like you, like you said, I got a 92 Ford uh, pickup truck, and uh, I have a battery that's about like a year, year and a half old. And, of course, on Thursday... It was negative 61 degrees, and uh, my car wouldn't, my truck wouldn't start. Mm. So I, I put the, uh, I put a battery charger on it just to kind of give it a little bit of, little boost, you know, even though it's just a year, year and a half old. But this is what happened. So I accidentally left it on the 10 amp charge overnight, and I came back the next morning, and the battery was hissing. So I took off the battery charger. I I never do that, but I did that this time on accident, and the battery was hissing. So I guess my question to you is this. 
have have I just shortened the battery life, or is it something that I just shouldn't drive on anymore and should get a new battery? You know, you didn't do the battery any good, but yeah. you know, should you shorten? The, should you get rid of the battery? Here's here's the problem. You know, minus sixty one. I don't think anything works right. All right, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. it's that's just that's just such an extreme. I, uh-huh. I would definitely have the battery charged correctly and then okay. properly tested, do a load test on it. Do you, does the battery okay. have removable caps? Yep. So I would, you know, see if your mechanic has something a lot of guys don't have anymore, a hydrometer, and measure okay. the specific gravity of each cell and see if any one particular cell is higher or lower than the other. And also, uh-huh. is there any is there any particulate floating around in, the, in, in any of the cells, such as that as you overcharged it, you caused it to break down and, you know, boil over in yep. a sense. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I I don't know. You know, it, it it's sort of an argument you could have two ways in your head. If you don't replace the battery, and the next time the truck doesn't start because it's sixty one below or thirty below or whatever <laughs> the ridiculous number is, you're gonna yeah. go. You're gonna be like nuts. I should have bought another battery. And then again, yeah. you might buy another battery, and it still won't start because it's thirty below. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's so. Yeah. You but know. it's but it's not anything. Definitely, it's not anything dangerous, right? No. The battery's not going to explode or anything. No, the battery's not going to explode. Um, you know, okay. it's not something I would do long term. Obviously, you, you've shortened its life a little bit. Uh, okay. There are some safeguards built in, and you know, you heard it hissing, okay. and obviously, you let it cool down before you start, you yeah. know, moving it and, and 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 so forth. But I think what you'll find is if you just charge the battery up, if it passes a load test, and you know, tell your mechanic to maybe abuse it a little bit, hit it with a little bit of a heavier load test. How does it hold up? And then look at the recharge rate. If you drive the vehicle around, how does the charging system react? You know, and bring okay. it back in a half hour and load test the battery again if you really want to be, you know, uh, overcautious and, you know, okay. just see what does it do. And as long as uh, it passes that load test, I think you're fine. I really do. It's okay. an older vehicle. There's not a lot of electronics on it. It's a 92, yeah. 2002, yeah, 2012. It's, you know, it's 25 going on 27 years old. It's, uh, yeah. you know, electricity was a word back then. Now it's electronic. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's very different. It's been different, a good so. track. I've been, I've been fortunate. So Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, it's... You know what? Simpler is better. Uh, yep. You know the problem. The problem with that vehicle is just sooner or later you're going to run out of getting parts for it. And you're going to have to upgrade and you know make some yeah. changes. It's like I was thinking the other day. My '97 Ranger's got two hundred fifteen thousand on it, and uh, you know what? I'm getting. Am I getting tired of the vehicle? I think about parts. Do I want to go out mm-hmm. and start putting some? you know, some some different style fuel injection kits in it or a different engine? Do I want to start playing with this vehicle? Do I want to go out and buy another one? I Yeah. You know, parts yeah. become a problem. They really do. That's the that's that's the secret of all of this. It's like Henry Ford said, I'll give you the car for free because three years later the parts are falling off the thing so fast you need a wheelbarrow behind to pick them up and I'm gonna be the guy to sell them to you. So and that's where the money is. Um yep. so absolutely. Absolutely. Listen Aaron, you stay warm up there and uh I hope the weather improves for you. Hey, thanks. You have a good day. You're very welcome, sir. Take good care. Let's get over to Jess in Maine, 15 Chevy Silverado. What's going on here? Jess, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Um, so it's a little bit hard to uh, explain my situation going on. Um, it's happened about three times now. Uh, we do have some cold weather up here and some snow, but not nearly as bad as I've noticed that everybody else has. Uh, something I've noticed that's been happening, though, uh, I go either up a little hill or try to hit the accelerator in an intersection, and my truck almost completely powers down. Uh, almost seems like it's stalling. The lights turn off. 
on the inside and the outside of the truck. And one thing I've noticed, it, for a split second, uh, the Stabilitrack uh, comes on on the uh, control panel. Uh, but that's it. And then it's right back on. But it's happened three or four times now. Okay. Uh, you got a pencil, piece of paper? I do. Okay. Get a hold of GM document 327 7741 327 327 7741 it's probably out there in the form of a bulletin but what i re- what i remember about it, i think the bulletin might be 18 let me think 18NA161, something like that. You're looking for a bulletin that talks about grounds G210 and G218. All right? Um, Very specifically, those two grounds, GM has some known problems with them affecting everything from power steering to overall vehicle operation because I think what you're dealing with is a ground issue. Uh, yeah. from, from my seat here. You're dealing with something isn't making good, clean, positive contact. The other the other perspective or the other thing you can do is just have a, 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 a good mechanic, which I say it like that because I'm, I, I mean it. You know, he's got to be able to read a wiring diagram. He's got to look at a wiring diagram and go, okay, here's all the grounds. Here's all the power feeds coming into the vehicle. And I'm not saying take the wiring harness apart, but understand where the p- power feeds come in, what they feed, uh, where the grounds are, are they dirty, corroded, broken, missing? I know it's only four years old, but you're still having the issue. And Maine isn't known for being cautious with putting down road salt and all the other things. Hey, they you do. got it. Right. You know, it's 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 the land of white winter powder. Um, yep. You know, it's 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 it gets ugly up there. I still remember the news story from four or five years ago about the bridge in Bath, Maine, that was corroded because of all the road salt and calcium chloride they put down on the road. They actually had to rebuild the bridge or something like that. I never, oh, forget, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll never forget that story. I was like, wow, talk about corrosive material. So, you know, I want to go specifically after those two grounds, but overall vehicle grounds. There's there's a there's a test procedure mechanics do voltage drop. I would voltage drop grounds on the vehicle. I would voltage drop power feeds on the vehicle. You know, are we missing something? Are we losing something? That being yeah. that being said, when this happens by chance, does the clock reset? Does the radio reset? Any change in vehicle operating characteristics after it happens? No, it doesn't. That's one thing I've noticed because I had read up on that, you know, the radio presets go away and the clock resets. But, nope, it goes completely back to normal. It's almost for a split second that this happens, but it almost completely powers down, almost like the truck's stalling. Okay. Um, but all the lights turn off. And, like I said, the, the Stabilitrack um, signal comes on. I don't know why that's happening either. I don't know if it's a power issue. But. Well, I think I think this is going to be a voltage problem, ground-related, or something electrical. So here's And here's the other thing you can do. You've got a power outlet in the truck, a cigarette lighter or a power outlet? I do. Okay. So somewhere on Amazon or your local auto parts store, somebody's going to make a device that'll plug into the cigarette lighter that'll read voltage. Okay. All right. Um, it would be great if you could tell us that, hey, you know, my truck lost power, this happened, that happened, and by the way, I saw the charging system voltage go from 14.2 to 12.5. Yeah. That tells so, us something. So can I ask you another thing, Ron? Sure. So I'm, I'm sure this is all connected, um, but I have noticed when I've been driving, and usually when my, my four-wheel drive is on, I'm not sure if that's connected either, but the lights start to flicker. I'll go from high beam to low beam, and the lights will flicker. 
um, I've been noticing, or, or if I go to use my turn signal, the lights are flickering again, and it's usually not the inside lights; it's the it's the actual outside lights. Yeah, itself, you're, but. you're 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 suffering a ground issue. It okay. just sounds like it. It sounds like. Um, you know, you ever been in a house with older wiring and they've got so many devices turned on that the lights start to dim or flicker or go brown and, uh, you yep. know, the, the electricity is uh, the brightness of the lamps are, are, are started to be affected. That's, oh, yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like you've got going on here with this house uh, or with okay. this car. So, you know, just just I think we want to start chasing grounds. See if you can find that document. If not, ask your mechanic if he's got any kind of an information system, electronic information, if he starts looking through bulletins. Tell him to take this from the angle of electrical. Grounds G210, grounds G218. And then last thing, it wouldn't hurt for him to take a a look at the onboard computer, look at fuel trim, look at some of the variable parameters, look to see what data is, take a snapshot of it, stick it in your file. After the problem happens, take another snapshot as fast as possible after the incident. Does does any of that information change showing the PCM is going through a reset and it's it's adaptives or it's it's electronic adjustments are changing as well. That tells us the PCM is losing power and memory and it's going into limpin, which is sort of what it sounds like you're suffering as well. So a couple of ways to attack this. They've just got to think a little bit outside the box, all right? I appreciate it. You're yeah, very it makes welcome. a lot of sense. You're very welcome. You have any problems, you give us a call back. We're here for you. Good luck, Jess. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor, 855-560-9900. We'll return right after this. Don't go away. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Michael. East Hartford, Connecticut, 01 Toyota Camry. You're up next with the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Michael. Michael going once. Michael going twice. No Michael. Okay. Um, Let's get over and talk to Terry in Georgia, 2003 Chevy S10. Terry, are you there? Yes. Oh, there you go. Terry, you're there. Hooray, we got a winner. Uh, Maybe the cold got Michael up in Connecticut. So what's going on, Terry? How can I help? Uh, I've got a 2003 S10 ZR2 four-wheel drive truck. Okay. Okay. I replaced the calipers on the rear. It has an lock. And uh, once I replaced the calipers, I was never able to get uh, fluid back to the rear again. Okay. Um, been a mechanic all my life. Bled, brakes, every, on everything. But I'm not, real, I'm not real familiar with the analog stuff. And everything I've read says it has to go to a dealership. Is there anything I can do from home? Well, let's let's hold up here a second. Um, so I'm going to ask the stupid questions. Don't take insult, okay? Uh, yeah. Because I saw I've seen this before, and it, it's just it happens to the best of us. The bleeders are up top, right? On the new calipers, we don't have them. Yes. On, yeah. I, I do. Yeah, they're not. They're not on the wrong side. Yeah, I've you know, and I've seen it. It's the first question I've learned to ask over the years, because um, I've had people look at me and go, "There's a difference," and I went, "Oh boy." Um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, I had one guy tell me he thought that was the drain valve. I went and uh, put the wrench down, step away from the car. Um, so you know, how are you bleeding it? Are is somebody in the vehicle and you're st- yeah. and they're stroking it, and then you open the bleeder and still nothing comes out? Yep, traditional. Okay, so why did you change the calipers? They were seized. Uh, yeah, I had one binding. Uh, the left rear was binding, and and. Uh, Burnt the brakes up on it, okay. And so, so I went ahead and was and replaced both calipers. Right. And, uh, went ahead and play replaced the uh, disc and 
brakes and everything. Right. A lot of fluid come out when you change the caliper? Well, like I said, I took the caliper off and uh, went to town with it to turn the cores in because the cores are ridiculous. Right. And um, then when I come back, uh, it obviously had drained all of it yeah, out. Yeah, okay. That's what happened. Um, that's what happened. Usually, because we'll, we'll change them in the shop. We'll just go, you know, one on, one off, and we don't lose a lot of fluid. So, yeah, and had I done that, I probably wouldn't have run into this problem. Right. So what you can try, the reason they're saying it's got to go to a dealer is it because in some situations you need a scan tool. Um, it's either you need a scan tool to do what we call an ABS bleed. A scan tool has the ability to activate the control solenoids in the anti-lock control unit and and get it to move air out of the system, and then you can do a traditional bleed, as you say. All right. Correct. So let's let's just jump ahead a little bit. Have you tried bleeding the master? Just yeah. Burp, burp, you've tried. Do you have? Yeah. Can you? I went back and started at the front and went toward the rear. Right. And, you know, and then and then then turned around and went back to my furthest point from the master cylinder and started over. All right. Um, do you have? You can get. Obviously, you're going to tell me you can get fluid out of the master. Right. Oh yeah. Large, you get, large quantities. You, you get you get fluid to the ABS control unit. Correct. All right. So we can't. We've we've obviously got the ABS unit is so dry we can't get prime in there. Years ago, yeah. all right. Years ago, when dirt was invented and I was a young mechanic, um, there was a there was a product you could get from the parts houses. It looked like a giant hypodermic needle. Have you are you familiar with this? Yes. Sir. Um, you, you know, if you ha- if you can get your hands on one of those, what you could try is open up the furthest bleeder and fill that hypodermic with brake fluid and try and back bleed so that if somebody's watching at the master if they see fluid coming up and air bubbles coming out you might be able to fill the system that way at least to the point that once the abs unit picks up enough fluid you can then go through and do a manual bleed you got an o'reilly auto parts down by you sure do check in with the folks at o'reilly auto parts ask them if they have any brake fluid hypodermic syringe bleeders very old school but they're out there and uh, that'll do it for you good luck to you let me know if i can do anything else i'm running in the car doctor we're coming back right after this Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. The car doctor's 24-7 phone number is alive and active, and it's actually active all the time. You can call that 855-560-9900 phone number anytime, day or night. Leave a message. Executive producer, chief cook and bottle washer, no phony, no baloney. Tom Ray will call you back and uh, get you into the next live broadcast Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're East Coast guys. Let's see. Where should we go? Let's try Michael in Connecticut again. Michael, are you there, sir? Yes, sir. Okay. Thanks for picking. Thanks for uh, talking to me. Ah, you're very welcome, sir. Listen, we we understand glitches and uh, electronic gremlins and uh, things that go bump in the night. Um, <laughs> how can we help you, sir? Okay, I got a problem with my Toyota. It spins and spins and spins, but it doesn't turn over. Is this the car we talked about back in September that was overheating? Oh, you know what? Yes, sir. Man, you got a good memory. And what was here's wrong what with happened it? with that, brother? All right. I fixed it. I let it sit. I let it sit. I let it sit. You know, and then it was air pockets because it went away. Okay. All it was, I changed the uh, the stupid uh, uh, gasket on the thermostat because they leak on those. Right. Drip, drip, drip. Right. So it overheated. I figured 
you know, I, I had nothing to do but wait. So I waited, and it went away. It went back to the normal setting. I've been driving it ever since. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. How, real how, cool. Yeah, real cool. Now, you know, keep in mind two things. It, it, if, if the system is ever airbound, if you ever think a vehicle is airbound, park it nose up and take the radiator cap off when it's cool and let it sit overnight. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I have a yeah. That's right. That's, if you, if you actually ever, exactly if, if anybody right. ever visited, hey, you got to do that one too when you do when you do a a, a water pump, especially right. on the older yeah, vehicles. Absolutely. I have an old Dodge. Yeah, absolutely. It Listen, kept getting that air stuff. I hated that when, if, you, when I did the water pump. If anybody ever visits the shop, they always want to know why the one side of the shop where we park the cars has got a slight tilt to it. There's about a ten degree rise on the right side. Two reasons. Number one, when we do a cooling system repair, we park the car there overnight and it burps the air out. And number two, if we park the car there after it's towed in, if it's if it's a no start, if we park it nose nose out, it's just a matter of opening the shop door, somebody get in the car, they put it in neutral, and it rolls into the shop all by itself. We're getting lazy as we get older. So, but uh, that incline does a lot for us. Um, so, what is this? It cranks over. It'll it'll spin, but it doesn't catch. Exactly. Does it crank too fast? Kinda, yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, is it spinning faster than normal? Yes, it is a little bit. I noticed that. Mm. So the battery went dead, and I kept trying it. I did a bunch of tests to it. I recharged the battery overnight, and the same doggone thing. Okay, what makes you think it's not a broken timing belt, or a ch- is this a chain? That's or- what I'm thinking. It was done at ninety thousand. It's got one hundred and eighty-four thousand. This miles. is an one. So this has a belt. Yeah, I mean. Um, right. So, did you check for spark? Did you check for fuel injection? Yeah, products? here's did what you... I read up on the book, right, sir? Right. And the book says you use a universal spark tester. Yeah. I don't have one of those. All right. So, well, does that make a difference if you use a nah, regular one? Yeah, you know, we're looking for spark. It does or it doesn't? No, it, it won't. Do you have any spark? Okay, yeah, okay, here's what I did. I goofed up. I'm old school. So, I did, I had spark on number one cylinder. Right. right? And, but I didn't do the other three. And the only way, the next step, because I got the Haynes manual, is just to go through all these stupid steps. So you go through the steps. And I forgot, like, dummy me, I forgot. You got to check. It's in the book. You got to check every freaking spark plug, man. All right, well, here so we go. Because every coil is different. There's two coils on there. It's got a, a distributorless ignition system. Right, so okay. So because of that, it's making me check it. Right. So it's been too cold here, but uh, tomorrow it's going down to 40, so I'm going to try. I'm going to test every every spark plug wire. That tests every coil. I'll eliminate the coils, and then, it, you know what I mean? All right, listen, listen, Michael. The reason it says Ron and Annie in the car doctor is you got to let me talk every once in a while. Here's what I uh, want okay. you to do. No, it's just because I, I got to say it because, I, you know. I understand. It's, it's, here's, here's what I want so you to do. shit in this car. M- Michael, here's what I want you to here's what I Here's what I want you to do, okay? Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out to an auto parts store. I want you to get a spark tester, a graduated spark tester, something that will... That will, you know, you can bring it out to 20,000 kilovolts or uh, 20,000 volts, 30,000 volts, and so on. All right. Um, I want you to uh, test each spark plug. You're looking for spark. If you have spark, if you can load the system to 20 and 30 and 40,000 volts and check for spark on each, and you have spark, then the next step is while you're down there, buy a mechanic's stethoscope. Listen for the click. Listen to each injector while somebody's cranking it over. If the injectors click and you've got spark, you're now down to a fuel issue or you're down to something mechanical. If you've got spark and injector pulse, the timing belt didn't break, 
It might have jumped, but it didn't break because of the fact that you wouldn't be turning the cam, you wouldn't be getting signal, you shouldn't have those two operating. All right. Um, the other so thing, because you went too fast. By scoping, I'm listening for the injectors to do to. Well, you want to hear noise. the injectors click, and you want to see if you got spark on all on all eight cylinders on all four, four cylinders. Four cylinders. All four, four cylinders. cylinders. Two okay. coils on there. All right. Um, the other thing you want to do is if you take the oil fill cap off, can you see the top of the cam? That's a uh, that's a yes or no question. I haven't done that yet. All right. If you take the oil fill cap off, can you see the top of the cam? Have somebody crank it and watch the cam. If the cam's moving, the timing belt's not broken. But if it's turning too fast, it it sure sounds like it sure sounds like the uh, it sure sounds like the timing belt's broken on this. So you got a couple of things to go look at. You've got to go look at. Do you have spark? Do you have injector? Pulse? Right. Okay. I know. So because so, you're going real fast, brother. Listen. So if you take the oil fill cap off, you're going to see that cam spinning. If I if well, that's you, spinning, you you may that eliminates. It depends if there's a baffle in there. If that cam's spinning, then the belt didn't break, but it might have jumped. Okay. So how do I get? How do I find out where top de- number one top dead center is? Well, that? you're going to pull number one plug out, and you're going to slowly. Yep. You're going to. I mean, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. Um, obviously, take the, taking the top timing cover off and bringing the camera around to top and making sure you're on uh, you're up top on number one uh, is going to be the way to do it. Whether or not you're on top dead center with regard to you're on the uh, intake or on the uh, on um, uh, or 180 degrees out depends on where the cam is. So it's still a matter of bring it around to top, bring the cam around to top, bring the crank around to top, lining it up against the timing marks, and you'll be where you're supposed to be. Okay, then then it, it could it be that uh, so I got to do all these things. Could um, again if, if it, it is the if the, the belt did jump, is it worth fixing it with one hundred eighty thousand miles if it was done at ninety thousand? I don't know. Can you afford another car? Well, I mean, if I do get it fixed, will it, will that will will I be able to drive this thing safely? You're, you're not answering. I mean, the will question. it be okay to drive for a couple of months or you, a year? You're not answering the question. Can you afford another car? No. Okay, then this one's <laughs> worth fixing. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's it's that simple. If it's fixed properly, mileage doesn't scare me. All right. Right. Um, the way a car gets fixed and what sort of history and maintenance it has—that's what scares me. Okay, here me. is just a question, Tom. Tom, they were telling me that this thing's got aluminum heads, the four-cylinder, because I overheated it. That's danger right there. That elim- that knocked off the, the 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 power off. That knocked off the 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 life expectancy of the motor. Well. Do you agree? Because mm-hmm. it overheated. Depends how much it overheated. I don't recall how far it overheated that day. Uh, five minutes, two well, miles. You know, at, at 180,000 miles, I'd be, at 180,000 miles, Michael, I'd be, you know, I'd be grateful for what I got. If I can put a timing belt on it and continue to drive it, I'd drive it. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't get by on hearsay. I'm a, I'm a facts guy. So this okay, is. Okay, because I tested the pump. I was getting voltage. For what pump? You know, I lim- so I was getting voltage, getting power, but the 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 pump wasn't shaking like when you t- took it out. Michael, what pump? Put it in your hands, test it for power and all that stuff. Michael, Michael, what pump? Yeah. What the, pump? The fuel pump. Okay. Um, so do you hear the fuel pump run when you when you crank it over? Because that's the other thing you got to check for. No, right? no, I didn't. So I took it out. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Brother, you took the fuel pump out. You're, you're checking yeah. for spark on one or two cylinders, and you still haven't checked cam timing? No, I'm glad you told me that. You got to check cam timing. We got to go back to basics. Yeah. You, you ever fix a bicycle? Oh yeah. You ever fix a flat? 
Yeah. Okay, well, you took the chain off, the back tire apart, you took the seat off and the handlebars and the flats in the front. You're going at this thing backwards, man. Go for yeah. basics, well, all right? I couldn't hear the pump, brother. That's, I couldn't hear the dog. Well, pump, yeah, you know, I don't care. You Sometimes you won't. Sometimes the PCM won't power up the pump because of the fact that the engine's not running and it's not getting proper signal. So let's let's go for basics, all right? I don't care what it is, who made it, who designed it, who created it, or who engineered it, all right? Spark fuel mechanical. If it's a one-cylinder, a four-cylinder, or a 12-cylinder, all right? You got to go for spark. You got to go for injector click. And then we're going to go and see, is the timing belt lined up where it's supposed to be and doing what it's supposed to do? After that, call me back. I'm Ron Annie the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, let's get over and talk to Russell in Maine, 05 Grand Caravan and a Misfire. Russell, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Russell? How about Philip? Oh, Philip. Okay, we'll take Philip. So, <laughs> are you in Maine? I'm in Maine. Do you have an 05 Grand Caravan? I do. Well, then you're my guy. I'll take you. How can I help you, sir? Okay. Well, this problem has come up a couple times before. Uh, I have a misfire on number six cylinder. All right. And the big flat plug right under the air intake. Uh, I can't find a pinout on it in the manual, a Chilton manual. I was trying to find out if I could determine if there was a wire in that plug. Because usually if I... Unplug it and plug it back together, the misfire will go away. But this time it won't. Also, uh, I understand from what I read in the book, uh, number three and number six both fire at the same time every time over. Correct. One's a, one's so, a combustion spark, one's a waste spark, one fires on the exhaust stroke. Okay. So if I unplug the wire off number six, ground this terminal on the coil, I get nothing. If I pull the plug wire off on three, there's all kinds of fire. Okay, so so here's the question, and I don't have a wiring diagram in front of me. Does, does, is, when, when six is triggered, is six triggered, and I believe it is, I believe six is triggered through the same primary lead this is just primary and secondary ignition i believe six is triggered through the same primary uh circuit as number three i think so because there's only four wires that plug into that uh that coil right correct and one's I, a ground one's a ground and then the, the other three are the triggers so right. you know you could you could test the theory simple enough pull off one of the other wires or disconnect one of the other wires and you should lose two cylinders Mm-hmm. Right? If you pull off the one, four, I think four and one are triggered the same? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, if, if, you, if you pull off the one for one and four, you should lose one and four. You should okay. lose the ability to make spark on one and four. If that's the case, and you've got spark on three but not on six doing it that way, it sounds like you've got a bad coil. Oh, that's what I thought. Right, yeah. Uh, but this, this plug thing, uh, is there a wire in that by any chance that is just pertains to number six or not to, it wouldn't not, be? Not to my knowledge. I would still want to consult a wiring diagram. Yeah, but if I could get one, I would. But I, the book has got all kinds of wiring diagrams, but I can't find anything about that. Um, do you have access to email, Philip? 
to a lot. Do you have access to email? Email, yes. All right. If you send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, okay. I'll dig up a wiring diagram for you. Very good. All right. Just give Actually, me, all just, I need is just for that yeah. big plug underneath the air intake. Okay. You give me your make model and, uh, and tell me what you're looking for, and I'll do my best. I'll see if I can come up with a wiring diagram to send you. Okay. Thank all you. All right. I have a coil coming. I'm going to try changing the coil. Right. Well, you're like me, though. You want to understand why you fixed it, and I, I respect That's that. That's true. I thought if I could get a pin out, I could check the continuity between all those connections and find out, you know, if those one pertained to number six, if it was bad, I wasn't getting continuity, I could put a little jumper wire across. Well, I think what you're going to find is if you read the primary resistance on the coil, on on one and four and uh, five and two, you're going to see resistance there, and then you're going to go to three and six, and you're going to find none, and that means the coil itself is bad internally, and that's where the fault is going to be. But you send me you send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I'll see if I can get some information to you. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. We're on the Indian, the car doctor. You know, I didn't get to do any yellow sticky note turning points this week, and I had a bunch of good ones, so that'll be next week. Let's go over and talk to Paul in Minnesota, my my good buddy here, Master Mechanic from Minnesota. How are you today, Paul? How cold is it there? Well, hey, it's balmy, 18 above, but it's been four days in a row at 46 to 48 below with a 65-degree windshield. Hello. Yeah. How do you get them diesels to start in that cold weather there, Paul? That's got to be a tough act, uh, right? Okay. The the biggest thing I found with this, uh, this is good. If they want to spend the money, is the 530 synthetic, and then if they can plug them in. But I've had a couple of guys, I like this, my logger buddies out there, well, they ain't got no electric bush, but they're saying that the 530 synthetic, they're getting it to turn over, and they got good battery. They spend the money on the batteries, and they're working. Do you think it's an issue on the diesels real quick? We got a minute that if they're just going to let them idle through the night? Um, do they, uh, some, of, some of them won't do that, and if you got the newer diesels, they got that shutdown. 15 minutes, nothing happens, they shut down, and they don't like that. <laughs> but you can uh, eliminate that default with a laptop, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's crazy, man. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah. So, well, listen, we're glad you're okay, and we're glad you're surviving the Minnesota winter, as it were. And um, as always, some great timely tips on diesel. You got to come back. You know what? Maybe if the weather inc- if the weather stays like it is, Paul, let's get you to come back. And maybe you've got some tips in your uh, trick bag there about uh, extending the life of diesels, better start in cold weather. Put your thinking cap on. Maybe you can come up with a couple of tips for the folks how to deal with it in extremely cold weather. Minus sixty two wind chill. Holy cow! I'd be on the plane so fast to Florida. Alligators or not? All right. You know, I always wanted a pair of alligator shoes and buy my wife a pocketbook. I don't need an alligator. Cold. I'm Ron Anani, the car doctor, looking ahead and looking back and saying it's time to go. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless.